Okay, we're beginning here on the top of Ayin Tet Amad Aleph, where the Gemara is quoting the Mishnah that says, or leather is kadela sot kmeya. They mount to make an amulet. And again, we spoke about the fact whether it's to write an amulet or to wrap up an amulet. That's the amount for that leather. Baimine Roba mi Rav Nachman. Roba asked his Rebbe, Rav Nachman, Mutsi or Bikama. How much leather do you need to take out or carry on Shabbat to be chayat? Amalei It's in our Mishnah. Or Kedela Sot Kmeya. Like we just said, the or is the amount to make an amulet. Rava posed this question not because he didn't know the answer, but as a preface to the next question, which is, Hama'abdo Bikama. If you are going to tan it, you're going to work the leather, how much do you need? Amalei Loshna. Rav Nachman said back to Rava, it makes no difference. Le'abdo, if it's leather that has yet to be worked or tanned, Bikama. How much is it? Amalei Loshna. Makes no difference. So this shiur of leather as an amulet is in all three of these situations, which is, if you already have ore that was worked or tanned, that is the threshold size. The amount that you need to be chayab for tanning is that same size as well. And if it's leather that's not tanned, the size of leather that you need to carry out is the amount that would be used for making an amulet. So they're all the same. Umenat And how will I show you that that's the case? Kiditnan. We have a Mishnah. Hamalabain. Someone who bleaches, vaminapates, or combs, or the other explanations that we saw in the Mishnah, vatsoveya, and the one who dies, vatoveh, and someone who spins, the tzemer, the wool, shi'uro, the amount you need to do for each of these items, is kimelo rochav hasit kaful, the amount of, as Rashi explains here, the distance between your pointer finger and your middle finger, doubled. So two of those, that's the amount of tzemer, of wool that you need to either bleach, comb, dye, or spin in order to be chayav. As Rashi notes in other places, the two times the distance between your pointer finger and your middle finger is the same as the distance between your thumb and your pointer finger. Vahoreg, and someone who weaves bet chutim, two strings, shi'urok chavasit. It's the amount of one distance between your pointer finger and your middle finger. That's the girsa that we have and the girsa that seems that Rashi had. Tosafot seems to have the girsa of the word kafu in here, because he asks a question on the Gemara, which we'll note in a second, which the Agotabach points out, seems to indicate that he has the girsa with the word kafu in it. Alma. What you see from this Mishnah is, came in the Tviyakoi, since the wool is going to be used to be spun into strings, Shiro Kitavui. Then all the Shirim for all the Mlachot that come before the spinning, the standard is set by the end usage of the item or the spinning of the threads. So since you would spin the wool and that would be a size that would be significant, then all along the way, that's the size by which you'll be determined of how much bleaching how much dyeing, how much combing you need to do in order to be chayav for the malacha. So achanami, in our case too, came the abdo kai, since the end, leather that is not tanned, it will be tanned, shiro kimi ubad, the shiur of the untanned leather is the same as it would be the amount that you would do when you tanned it. So it's the same size as if it was tanned already. Now Tosvot over here asks, why did the Gemara say in the end, you're going to do Tviyah, and that sets the standard. Why doesn't the Gemara say in the end, you're going to do Arigah, which is further along in the process, and everything is set, the standard is set by Arigah. From there, you see that Tosavot seems to think that the Tviyah and Arigah have the same size, and that's why the Bach points out that the word Kaful, according to Tosavot, should be in there, because 
it's the same shiur. According to Rashi, where they're different shiurim, it's understandable why the Gemara compared it to spinning and not to weaving, because weaving has a smaller shiur. And all the items beforehand were determined by the tviya and not by the ariga. So the Marashor argues that Tosafot has the same girsa as us, but here it, it says by the ariga, chutim, two strings. So you have two strings that are the size of a seat. That makes it actually seat kaful when you add them together, and that's how Tosafot's coming up with his measurement that equates the ariga to the tviya, even though he has the same girsa as we do. And then Rav asks him, Shalol Abdo, if he never intends to tan the leather, then what is the size for that? It makes no difference. It's the same size. Now, the Ritva points out over here, this seems to be an inconsistency in Rav Nachman's position. Because Rav Nachman said before, the reason that untanned leather was the size of an amulet is because in the end, that's what you're going to do with it. But over here, where you're saying you're going to maintain it in the status of being untanned, then why is it that the din is the same as when you tanned it. Ritva suggests Rav Nachman was answering Rava's question before, which Rava was trying to make a distinction between something that is tanned and something that will be tanned in the future. There should be a difference. Rav Nachman said that's just not true. Now Rav Nachman himself says, I don't even think there's a difference between untanned and tanned at all. But even according to your reasoning, where you say something in the future will be tanned, there's a difference. This is my explanation. And the reason that Rav Nachman believes that is because even if you believe that you're not going to tan it in the future, it's still, he could change his mind at any point. And since he could change his mind at any point and decide to go through with tanning it, therefore the shiur of significance is if possibly you would have tanned it, what would be the item that you would use it for, and that's the amulet. And now the Grova asks Rav Nachman, So it's really true that there's no distinction between tanned leather and untanned leather. Is that true? We have a brighta. If a person takes out dyes that are soaked, the amount or the size that you need is enough to dye a sample of the color or dye that you have, which is the same size as the ira, which is a stopper that was put in the shuttle, the strings of the woof that go across. When you throw the shuttle through, they're on a spindle, and to stop that spindle from spinning and letting out more thread, they had an ira, which was some sort of plug there, that's the size that you would die in order to show a sample. So it's just giving you a size that people were familiar with, that they would understand what that means. But if you're talking about the raw materials in order to dye, that are not yet soaked to make them that they can be used as a dye, it's none. We have the Mishnah that tells us, the soft peels of the nuts or the walnuts, and those of the pomegranate, stis, which is woad, and pua, which is matter. Stis gives a blue coloring, and pua gives a red coloring. It's the amount that it would take to dye a small piece of clothing. The piece, vacha, and the standard for that is the cloth that's at the top of a hairnet. So Rashi says over here, piece vacha is a quaff, that which is put on the hair. It's a hairnet. And at the top of the hairnet, there's a piece of bega that is the central part of the hairnet. So you see there that the raw materials, before they are soaked for a dye, have a higher threshold of how much you need in order to be significant and be chayab for hotza'ah, versus the dye, when it's already made, there you have a smaller standard, which is just amount to make a ira or a dugma. Rav Nachman says to Rava, hayit marla. 
you already have a qualification that the Amar of Nachman of Rabbuva Fishen Adam Toreach Lishrot Smanim Litzvabe and Dugmal Ira. Person is not going to spend all that time to make a die just to create a sample of that size. So meaning that if you already have a die in place, then it's significant if you would die a sample. But nobody would make the die in order to make a sample because that's too much work. And therefore they'd only do it if they had enough reason or a beggar that they needed to die that was the minimum size of the cloth that's found in the hairnet. As you see that there is a reason for that distinction as opposed to here, but maybe there is no distinction. And now Robert tries again. He says, Vare zare ne gina. You're talking about seeds for a garden. To Mekame de Zarinu, before you plant them, Tnan, we have the Mishnah that Zaruni gina pachot mikrugogeret. Just a little less than the size of a dried fig. That's how many seeds you need in order to be chayav when you carry them out. He says that equals five seeds. After you already planted the seeds and they're growing, Tanan, there, Zevel, the Choladak, and doing fertilizer or fine sand, Both of those, the amount that you need in order to be Chayav, is the amount to fertilize a stalk of cabbage. So you see there that after they're already planted, one seed is considered to be significant, It doesn't have to be for a stalk of cabbage, it could even be for a stalk of a leek. So again, Rav Nachman says to him, Ha'it on that don't we have the qualification of Rav Papa, Ha'dezria, Ha'delozria. It makes the difference between whether it's already planted or it hasn't been planted. Nobody takes out a single seed to go and plant. When somebody plants, they use multiple seeds, they plant with multiple seeds. They don't make all the effort to go out and plant with a single seed. Once it's already growing, then every single seed or every single item has significance. And therefore, if you fertilize that item, you're going to be chayav. Vare tit. What about cement or plaster? Before it's mixed, there's a bright, uh, which we saw in yesterday's daf, that modim chachamin rabbi shimon v'motzi shofchim l'rishut rabim. They take out wastewater to rishut rabim. Shishiram b'rivit. The minimum shir is rivit. Vavinan va shofchim l'may chazu. And we asked on that in yesterday's daf, what do you use the wastewater for? It was used to mix the plaster or the cement. After he's already mixed the cement, Tanya, we have a bright pikur. It's the amount that you would use to make an opening to the cauldron. Also over there, it's like we said. And this is what we said in yesterday's daf. Person's not going to mix cement just to make a opening at the top of the cauldron for the bellow in order to increase the intensity of the heat because it's a lot of work to mix the plaster or the cement for that reason. That's too small a reason. But if you have a bigger reason to mix the cement for then if you have cement that's sufficient for that size, that would be significant enough to be considered problematic if you carried out the teeth. So again, there, there's a distinction because of this Torah, the effort that the person has to put in in order to make whatever the item is. They're only going to make it if it is a significant size because that's only makes it worthwhile for him to make it if it's a significant size. But once it's already made, then already you would use it for smaller items and it would be considered significant. But by leather, there is no such distinction, at least according to Rav Nachman. Tashma, Tam Rav Barami Mishmei Du'ula, Shlosha Orotain. There are three different types of leathers. Matzah, chipa, v'diftera. And now they explain what are the differences between them. Matzah, kimashmo. Matzah is like it sounds. 
Matzah is very plain. It has no additives. There's nothing to it. It's like the poor man's food. So too by leather. It's a case, Delo Maliach, the leather wasn't salted. Delo Kamiach, it wasn't soaked in flour. Delo Apitz, and it wasn't soaked in gallnut juice. So it has had no processing done to it, similar to a matzah that has no processing done to it. Become a shiuro. What is a piece of leather like this? What is the size you're going to be chayav for carrying? Tiny Rav Shmuel bar Rav Yehuda, it's the amount that you would use to wrap up a small weight. The comma, what is a small weight? Amrabaye riva. It's a quarter. De riva de pumpadita. That is the quarter litra of pumpadita is that small size. They were metallic weights. And the merchants, in order to make sure that they didn't wear down or get ruined, used to wrap them in leather when they were not in use. And they used this raw leather that wasn't processed because they didn't need anything significant. Chipa, that type of leather is the maliach. It was salted heavily. Below kamiach, but it wasn't soaked in flour, water with flour. Below apitz, and it wasn't put in gallnut juice. Kama shiuro. What is the minimum shear for that? Kedanan, as we saw in the Mishnah. Or kedela sot kamiach. That's the leather of our Mishnah, which is leather that is to make an amulet with, or doesn't sound like writing an amulet here, it sounds more like wrapping the amulet in. Diptera is leather that was maliach, it was salted, vikamiach, and it was also soaked in flour water, below apitz, but it was not processed with golna juice, which would be the final stage that would then move it to be klaf, vikama shiuro, so what is the minimum shear of carrying that that you be for? In order to write a document of divorce on it. Rashi claims that each one of the successive shiurim is smaller, because each one of the next items is something that is more processed, and therefore it's more significant, and then you need a smaller size. And therefore he says that the cover for the weights is the biggest size, then the cover for the amulet is a smaller size, and then the get is the smallest size. Well, how could be a get be small? So Rashi says, because tokef a get. The main thing you need in a get is to say, Ariat mutar You have to write the man's name, the woman's name, and the date. And that's it. And that's the smallest of them all. So Rashi's doing that because he's trying to show that as it gets more significant, you need a lower threshold. Tosavot said Rashi didn't need to do that. Tosavot said, we said before, we mentioned yesterday's daf, that the cloth actually has a big higher threshold because it's more expensive. And similarly over here, the more processed it is, the more expensive it is. The more expensive it is, you only do it or use it for something that is of significance. And just like the Tosavot said on the Mishnah yesterday, that you wouldn't put away cloth for a tax receipt because it's too expensive to use for that. Similarly over here, the... Diphthera is too expensive to use for anything besides a get. doesn't matter that a get is bigger or longer than these other items. You wouldn't use it for the alternative items because it's just too expensive. Never, even if it's a bigger threshold, that doesn't matter over here. And therefore, he says what Rashi says is not necessarily true. We're talking about a get means a full-fledged get. And it's a larger size than the other sizes that we mentioned before. Tani miat. From this bright thing, unless we see, Kedelat sur bo mishkolet ketana. Gamarabai riva de riva de pumpadita. We saw that Rabbi said that that size was the quarter litra of Pumpadita. The postman over here says that the bringing of Abaye seems to be pointless at this point because it doesn't add anything here. If you have totally raw leather, then the size or the threshold for that is covering over the weights. And that was distinct from the amulet. And that goes against what Rabbi Nachman said that it doesn't matter whether it's unprocessed or processed leather. My answer is Hatam Bibishula. That leather that we're speaking about over there is Bishula. 
Rashi says over here, Bishul doesn't mean cooked leather, rather it means moist leather. It's leather before it's been dried out. So leather before it's been dried out, that soft, non-dried out leather, is something that doesn't need to be tanned, and we can use for a cover over the weights. But once the leather's already dried out, then the primary purpose of leather that's dried out is to be tanned or to be processed, and therefore the size for that would be a kamea. Because since it is possible to tan it, then we assume that it will be tanned and that will be its end usage. But says, Vatnan, can you really say that? We have a Mishnah, which we just had back on Dafai involved, which is a baguette. When it comes to cloth, then the minimum shior for tumat midras is shlosha shlosha, three by three tfachim. Happens to be for tumat maga, that it's enough that it's shalosh al shalosh, three etzbaot by three etzbaot. For a sack, the minimum shiur of tumat nidras means that if somebody who's tumaz yotzeh gufo, like a zav, a zava, a nida, a mitzora, sits on this item, they'll make it tamay, even if they're not in direct contact with the item. So that minimum shiur for a begot to come tamay midras is 3 by 3 tfachim. For a sack, for sackcloth or burlap, it is 4 by 4 tfachim. Or for leather, it's 5 by 5 tfachim. Maypot, woven reed, it's vavavav, it's 6 by 6 tfachim. For those, besides the begad, that's true, bend the midras, bend the mate. That's whether it's tumat midras or tumat maga, these are the minimum shiurim. Vitani Allah, and on that we said, a begad vasak vaor kishiur tumah, the same threshold they have for becoming tamay, kach shiur That's the same shiur that's considered to be significant if you carry it on Shabbat, that you're going to be chayab. So you see over here, leather, it's five by five tfachim. That's clearly bigger than the size you would need for a kmeah. And that is enumubad here. It's, this is an untanned piece of leather. And we're saying five by five tvachim, which is much bigger than a kamea. So my answer is how big kartovla. That's a case where you boiled the leather. So when you boil the leather heavily, it becomes very hard. And that leather is not going to be tanned. It's going to be used in that form to be a saddle on an animal, to be a throw on a bed, or to be a cover for a table. Therefore now we have different types of leather. We have leather which is Fresh leather. That's something that's not ra'oi to be tanned yet because it hasn't been dried out. The shear for that is the wrapping of the weights. Then we have leather that's been cooked, which then makes it very hard and is not useful then or cannot be tanned anymore because it's been hardened so much. That its own purposes. And there the minimum shear is 5 by 5 tfachim. But then you have leather that is already dried out and it can be tanned, but you haven't tanned it yet. There, Rav Nachman says, the shiur of the untanned item is the same as the shiur as the tanned item, and that shiur threshold for carrying is a kameya, is an amulet. So now the Gemara continues with the Mishnah and says, Klaf, Klaf, the amount you need to carry to be significant on Shabbat, is the amount to write on it, a small parshiyak tana, which we saw in the Mishnah, was that of the smallest parsha in the tefillin, which was Shema Yisrael. Remini, is that really true? Klaf, Vuduchstustus, Today, the Chtova Lav Mezuzah. When it comes to the Klav or Duchtustos, the minimum shear for carrying is writing a Mezuzah. Mezuzah comprised of two parshiot, which is Shema and Vayayim Shamoa. Seems to be that that threshold is higher or bigger than that which we saw in the Mishnah. Now, in terms of the difference between Klav and Duchtustos, when you flay the animal, you take off the hide from the animal. That hide is very thick, and in their day, in order to make the most use out of the hide, they used to cut the leather along the plane to split the leather into two pieces. The upper piece, the outer piece, and the inner piece. The outer piece has the hair on it, 
and the inner piece has the strings of the basar, the flesh, on it. So when you split it in half, the part that is facing outward is the klaf, and the part that's facing towards the basar is the duxtustus. And that is, Tosafot brings over here from the Rebbeinu Tam, that is because du means over here, and stustus means basar. It's the part that is closer to, or pointing, or near the basar. Now, in both of those, you write on the area of where the cut was made. So on the cloth, which is the thickness of the leather from the cut until where the hair is, you take off the hair, but you don't write on the side of the hair, you write on the side that was internal. The duxtustus, you take the internal piece, which is the part from the flesh until the cut, and there you take off the basar on the other side, but you write on the side that's facing outwards towards the seyar. So now, when you have this cloth or this duxtusus, the brighta seems to indicate that the minimum shior is that of a mezuzah, whereas our Mishnah is saying that it is the smallest parshia in tefillin, which is shma. So we have a stereo, our Mishnah is saying that shma is the amount that you need, and the brighta is saying you need shma me'ayim shamoa. Marseille says, oh, no problem, my mezuzah. Mezuzah doesn't mean the mezuzah you put on your door. It means mezuzah shebet tefillin. It means one of the parshiot, one of the four parshiot, in the tefillin shalrosh, which are each in their own compartment. So just like the mezuzah is stuck or hidden into the doorpost, so do these klafim are put into the slots of the tefillin shalrosh. And the Gemara says, mezuzah. Since when are tefillin called a mezuzah? Gemara says, in. That's true, Batanya. We have a benichuta, we have a brighter that supports that idea. Ritzuot tefillin, imat tefillin, mitamim so back in the first parak that there was a gzera, one of the 18 gzerot, that someone who comes into contact with holy items makes their hands tamay to touch truma. The reason they did that was because the people were storing the holy items, the books, the sfarim, along with the truma, because they were both kodesh. The problem was that the rodents were coming and eating the truma or the food, and then they were also ruining the sfarim. And in order to prevent people from doing such, they made it that sfarim or holy items were mitameya daim, and mitameya daim would then affect or be posel de truma, so then people wouldn't store them together. So here we have a breitha that says, according to the Tanakamo, that the straps of the tefillin have the same status as the tefillin itself. If you touch them, they're mitameya daim, bifneatzman, emitamotet yadaim. But if they are independent, they're not as part of the tefillin, then the straps don't have inherent kedusha, they are subordinate kedusha, to or derivative kedusha of the tefillin themselves, so when they're attached to the tefillin, they have that kedusha that makes mitame yadayim. Whereas when they're separate, they don't have that. If you touch the straps, you're always tor, even when they're attached to the tefillin. Until you touch the block itself, meaning that the structure or the box of the tefillin, that would make you tamei. Rabbi Zakai in the name of Rabbi Shimon says, Omer tahor. That doesn't even make you atzma until you touch the mezuzatzma. And obviously mezuzatzma, here we're speaking about tefillin, is being at the cloth itself upon which the parshiot are written. So you see that the parshiot themselves are called mezuzot. Vavik Tani Seifa. In the latter part of that brighta, it says, So he, So then later on in the brighta, it says that a cloth for the standard for a cloth, is the smallest parshia on the tefillin, which is Shema Yisrael. Michal the Reisha bit mezuzah, maskina. It sounds like the Reisha is talking about a mezuzah, not tefillin, because why would you speak about tefillin twice? So, hachintani. So now, now we can explain to you the brighter, which is, klaf, duchstustus, 
Shiron Bekama. Klav and Dustustus, what are their thresholds? Dustustus, Kedei Dekhtov Alav Mezuzah. Dustustus is to write a Mezuzah on it. Klav, Kedei Dekhtov Alav Parshak Tanash, B'Tfilin, Sheishma Yisrael. And for Klav, the threshold is the smallest Parshia in the Tefillin Shel Rosh, which is the Shema Yisrael. And that's what the Brayta meant. Klav and Dustustus are just the Koteret. It's the opening header, which says that we're going to discuss these two items. Then each one of them is discussed separately afterwards. Dustustus, the threshold is Mezuzah, because you write Mezuzot on Dustustus. And the threshold for Klav is the smallest Parshia in the Tefillin, because you write Tefillin on the Klav. And that is now going to be discussed in the Gemara. Amarav, Tuchstustus hari kiklaf. Tuchstustus and klaf are interchangeable. Ma klaf kotvin alav tefillin. Just like you can write tefillin on a klaf, af tuchstustus kotvin alav tefillin. So too you can write tefillin on tuchstustus. Gemara says, wait, it's not. We have our Mishnah. Klaf kedei lichtov pashak tanash b'tefillin. Shehishma Yisrael. That the Mishnah says that a cloth or the threshold for a cloth, the smallest parshia on the tefillin, which is Shema Yisrael. Now Rashi has the girsa here, cloth in Duchstustus low, and that girsa makes it sound like this is a question from our Mishnah. And then, if that's the case, that's a diuk out of our Mishnah, as the Tosfot points out, then the answer we gave before, that the mezuzah meant mezuzah tefillin, wouldn't have been an answer, because you would still have the deal out of our Mishnah that you're not allowed to use Duchstustus for tefillin. So rather, Tosafot says that the question comes from the Breitah that we saw before. The Breitah before said that you use the threshold for Klaf is tefillin, and the threshold for Duchstustus is mezuzah, implying that you use Klaf for a tefillin, use Klaf for tefillin, and use Duchstustus for mezuzah. So the Gemara answer is the mitzvah. That's a mitzvah min mufkar. The better way to make tefillin is on cloth. But if you make it on tostustus, it works. Tashma. Halacha Moshe Misinai. We have a Mesora from Moshe Rabbeinu that tefillin on cloth. You write tefillin on a cloth. Mezuzah on tostustus. And you write mezuzah on tostustus. Gemara says, cloth bimakom basar. The cloth itself you write on the place that is facing towards the flesh. Tostustus bimakom seyar. And the stostos you write on the part that faces outward towards the seyar. That's what we described before. When you split it along the thickness of the leather, the place that you write on both of them is the internal side. So the cloth, which is the outer piece, you write on the internal side, means the side that faces the basar. And the stostos, which is the internal piece, you write on the external side, which is the part that faces out to the seyar. That's the way most Rishonim explain it. Ramam, on the other hand, explains that this is where the stostos in the cloth is which is that the cloth is makom basar. The cloth is the inner piece of the thickness that you cut, just the opposite of what we said before, and the duchstustos is the outer piece. So he doesn't explain that the bright there is speaking about where you write on it, but rather which part of it is considered to be the cloth and the duchstustos. Therefore, he comes up with a position that's opposite all the other rishonim. The brother now has a problem with Rab, which is that we have a lochel amush misinai, saying tefillin go on cloth, and mezuzot, go on duchstustus. What are you going to do with that? My answer is the same thing. Again, the mitzvah. Allah HaMoshim is it's better to write tefillin on klaf, but you can write it on duchstustus. At this point, and we're going to see further on in the Gemara, the Gemara still believes that a mezuzah has to be written on duchstustus and cannot be written on klaf. Vatanya, don't we have a bright that says shina pasul? If you changed one to the other, it's pasul. The Gemara says, ah, mezuzah. That's what I just noted for you. 
That even Rob believes that if you wrote a mezuzah, it has to be on dukstustus and not on klop. Even though you can write tefillin on either, a mezuzah can only be written on dukstustus, and that's what it means if you changed it, it's problematic. Batanya shina bazet ubazet pasul. says if you change either one of them, it's pasul. Makes it sound like if you changed whether it's the mezuzah or the tefillin, it'd be problematic. Idi mezuzah, no. Both of them are speaking about the mezuzah. There are two problems that you can have with the mezuzah. You can either write it on the klop, on the side that's facing out towards the hair, meaning that you write on the same side you would have written on the duxtustus, which is the outer side. So you take the cloth. Instead, you write on the outer side of the cloth. That's pasul. Inami a duxtustus basar. Or even if you use duxtustus, you wrote on the other side. You wrote on the internal side that's facing towards the flesh. That's also problematic. As the Dvali Tosvot says over here, the Gemara could have answered just the opposite and said that and given the same explanation but Tosfot says they didn't do that because they wanted to uphold the previous answer, which is that you're not allowed to change a mezuzah, but you are allowed to change tefillin from klaf to dukstustus. In order to uphold that reasoning, they continued along that thought process, even though eventually they will back out of that, and they could have given a different answer over here. That bright that you brought, that changing the tefillin, from klaf to duxtustus, mezuzah from duxtustus to klaf, is problematic. That is a machlokatanaim. And ain't ochanami. Yes, there is a bright like that, but Rav just subscribes to the other Tana that disagrees with that position, which is the Tanya. We have a bright, shina bazebuzeh pasul, rabbi acha machshir. And Rav Acha said this, mishum rabbi achai barchanina. Rami Lassim say that he said it, mishum rabbi akov barabi chanina. And Rabbi Yach is machshir, and as Rashi points out, and the Bali Tesafon point out, that's only in one direction. He's machshir that you can do tefillin on a cloth or on dustustus, whereas mezuzah you have to do on dustustus. When he says machshir, it's not he's machshir either direction. He's machshir just that tefillin can be done on both of them. That's what Rab's going to subscribe to. But Papa Rab damar kitana de be even if you say that Rav Acha is machshir in both directions, and this isn't the position of Rav, rather Rav holds like Tanit the Baimer If you write on papyrus or paper or on a rag, then it's psula. Ala klaf, if you write on klaf, or ala gvil, or al duchstustos, it is ksheira. Katvamai. What was in the Brighta being written over here? Ilema mezuzah, mezuzah klaf mikadvinan. Since when can you write a mezuzah on klaf? El alav tefillin. Must be that you wrote tefillin. Umar says, V'li tameich. Tefillin agvil mi kadvinan. Since when can you write tefillin on gvil? Now gvil, as Rashi explains over here, is a fully processed leather that was not split in half. It's the whole leather. It wasn't split, cut along its thickness to create klaf and dostostos. It's the whole piece together. And a gvil is only kosher for a safer Torah. It's not kosher for tefillin. So you can't be speaking about tefillin here because you said that you can write it on a gvil. El-Katani Ahib is Sefer Torah. That Brighta is talking about a Sefer Torah and you can't bring any proof from that. So let us say that this is a proof to Rav's position over here because we have a Brighta, Tosefta, that's continuing from what it said before, which is a Brighta that says you're not allowed to take a tefillin shel rosh to make it into a tefillin shel yad, because malim bekodesh vein moridin. So then, ki bo, that Brighta continues and says, tefillin shibalu, v'sefer Torah shibala, you have tefillin that were worn down, or sefer Torah that's worn down, eno simban mezuzah, you can't make them into a mezuzah, l'fishem moridim, ikdushah hamurah, ikdushah kala. Can't go from higher level kdushah to lower level kdushah. The hierarchy is 
Sefer Torah, then Tefillin, and then Mezuzah. And even though in a Torah, Shema Vayem Shemo are, are not juxtaposed to each other, so I could use it for Mezuzah, the Baal Tosavot over here suggests it's a case where either the Shema is at the bottom of a column, and then you could add Vayem Shemo below it, or a case where Vayem Shemo is at the top of a column, and you could add Shema above it in order to make it into a Mezuzah. Taima Dein Moridin. The only reason that you can't switch it is because it would be a degradation in the Kedushah. Hamoridin, had that not been a problem, Osin, then you could have done it. Dichtiv Amai. What was this Sefer Torah or Tefillin written on that you're allowed then to change it into a mezuzah? Lao Dichtiva Duchstustus. Wasn't it written on Duchstustus? If it's written on Duchstustus, that's why you could switch it to a mezuzah. Because the mezuzah has to be written on Duchstustus. So the only way that you could switch Tefillin to a mezuzah is if Tefillin were written on Duchstustus. And that would be upholding or a support for Rob's position. It says, Lo Dichtiva Ala Kalaf. It was written on cloth. It says, mezuzah cloth, me katvinan. Since when can you write a mezuzah on cloth? It says, in, you can. Vatanya, we have a brighter that supports that. Katvala cloth, valaniyar, vamatlit psula. If you write it on cloth, parchment, niyar, papyrus, or a matlit, or cloth, psula, Rabbi Shimon Lazar, Rabbi Meir, ayakotvala cloth, mipneish mishtamerit. Rabbi Meir used to write it on a cloth because cloth is longer lasting. So this is an important factor as to maybe the distinction all the way along, which is what the Me'iri says, which is the cloth was a better quality part of the leather, and therefore when you wanted to write something that would last longer than you would, and that you wouldn't have to check so often, you would use cloth for that, and not tustustus. And that would explain the differences we saw before as to why you'd write tefillin on cloth, which have to last longer, because they're stuck in there and they don't get taken out for a very long time to be checked versus mezuzot that are checked more often and are seen more often, and therefore you can check on them, and they're written with duchstustus. But that means if you put a mezuzah somewhere where it's not going to be checked often, you should have written it on a cloth. And that's what Rabbi Meir is suggesting, that you should write the mezuzah on the cloth, because mishtamerit, it stays for a long time. It, it preserves it for the duration. It says, well, hashtitati da'achi, if that's what you're saying now, that you can switch a mezuzah, and upgrade it, not just to be written on Duchstustus, but also to write on a cloth, then the Rav Nami. That's why we can explain what Rav said. Lo tema Duchstustus, Don't say like we've said all along that for Rav, Duchstustus is the same as cloth. I Meaning, just like you can write Tefillin on a cloth, you can write them as Duchstustus, Eleima say just the opposite. Cloth areyuke Duchstustus. Cloth can replace the Duchstustus. You can upgrade from Duchstustus to cloth with a mezuzah. Not that you can downgrade Tefillin down to Duchstustus. Now, obviously, Rav said something about equating the two items, and they weren't sure what he said. So until now, we thought he meant that you can downgrade from cloth to duchstustos. Now the Gemara says, now that we found Rabbi Meir's opinion, we can say Rav holds like that position. And Rav was actually saying the opposite way around, that you can upgrade from duchstustos to cloth as a reference to mezuzah. That could be written on duchstustos, but you also can write it on cloth if you want and upgrade it to that. Feeling that have to be written on cloth must stay on cloth and can't be downgraded. Ma duchstustos kotvin alav mezuzah. Just like duchstustos, you can write mezuzah. Av cloth kotvin alav mezuzah. Just like duchstustos can be used to writing a mezuzah on it, so to cloth can be used for writing a mezuzah on it. And now the brighter that we said before that said, shina bazel bazel, if you change both of them, it's pasol. Now we're going to read it as close to what it says, that it's referencing to tefillin. And it's speaking about the two possibilities of how tefillin could be problematic. It could be that you're writing tefillin on cloth but on the wrong side, you're writing it on the side that faces the hair. Or it could be that you're writing it on a dostostos on the side that is facing the middle of where you sliced it in half. Both of those would be psulim for 
they tefillin, and that's what it means, shina bazeh, ubazeh, and that's how you can reconcile Rav with that brighta before. And the Rishonim over here note that there are different ways to read the conclusion here of Rav. You could read that Rav believes that even the Chathchila, you can write a mezuzah on cloth, like Rabbi Meir suggested that he wrote mezuzot on cloth. That you can write on Tuchstustus, but it's even better to write it on the cloth. And the Loch Moshe Misinai that we said before, that mezuzah on means that even on Tuchstustus you write it, but L'Chathchila you should write it on a cloth as well. There's some say that the Chathchila Mezuzah should be written on Dukstustus. And Rob's telling you that Bidiabad, if you wrote it on cloth, it would be Kasher. And that fact that Rabbi Meir wrote it on cloth is because he didn't have Dukstustus available to him at that time. Or in a place where it would be checked often, it was not going to be Mishtamerit. Never wanted to use a longer lasting type of cloth over here. But the Chatchila, you should write a Mezuzah on Dukstustus. And Tosfit over here discusses the way that they made cloth in his day and how that reconciles with our Gemara. First thing he notes is that even though we don't use gallnut juice to process it, Rabbeinu Tam says it's the equivalent of using gallnut juice because our klafim, our parchments, are made in such a way that they can't be forged because you can't erase without it being noticed. And so therefore the cloth is processed in a way that it produces the same type of quality and output that was done when you put it through the gallnut juice and that's why our klafim are kshirim. In addition, the Bali Tosafot say that in his time they did not any longer splice the leather's thickness in order to create a cloth and a dukstustos. Rather, they used to scrape off the top layer of the hide which had the hair on it and go down a little bit. And some people claimed then that what that which was left over was dukstustos, but the Bali Tosafot disagree and say that which is left over is cloth because you're only taking off the top layer but the remainder, which is there, is considered to be cloth, because if it wasn't cloth, then we couldn't write fill-in on it. Okay, we're going to end here at the bottom of Ayin Tet